Hello and welcome to Share Your Secrets, The Best Bits. In the podcast, we talked food, art and community with an incredible group of people. Over the next 15 minutes, you can listen to some of our favourite conversations from Series 1. So I wanted to know where did the idea come from for setting up Bounce Back Food CIC? So I studied economics and business management, which was like the perfect degree for me because those two subjects were the ones I enjoyed most at school and then at A-level. I also enjoyed the fact that you could do a placement year, which allowed me to go down to Manchester and work in a marketing agency. Really enjoyed that sort of hands-on practical experience. But as my degree was coming to the end, I knew that I wanted to do something myself and set something up. And that's when I started to think about social enterprise. Um, I was inspired by Tom's, the shoe brand, who whenever you buy a pair of shoes, they donate a pair to a child in a developing country. And just loved that that model of buy one, give one. Um, and also as a structure, a social enterprise was something that really resonated with me as something that would allow me to set up a, a business, but also making sure that we were addressing a challenge in society. That's where the idea for Bounce Back Food came from. I thought, you know, how can we use this buy one, give one model to tackle food poverty proactively in the UK? How can we use that model to ensure that food banks are stocked with good quality products? And also, how can we use that model to teach people how to cook as well and bring communities together? So how did you put that into practice then? So it was back in 2014. So I set up Bounce Back Food and identified a supplier, went and bought lots of food signed up to a Christmas market in Salford and then went along and tested that idea of, you know, if we were to sell a range of pasta, rice, tin food, soup, cereal, that sort of thing, would people be willing to buy a product and also donate one to their nearest food bank? Yeah, it was heartwarming. People people did. And that gave me the confidence to then expand the idea and, you know, do more market events. So how did it feel that first time that you dropped off those tins and bags of pasta at a food bank? Oh, I felt incredible. The very first donations uh, went to a food bank in Salford. And then a lot of the markets that we did after that, um, because they were in Manchester, we were able to donate the food to Fair Share Greater Manchester, which is where I'd spent time as a volunteer. And so it felt that, you know, I'd gone from just spending time as a volunteer and thinking, how can we do things differently to actually, this is now something that is supporting people you know this social enterprise is generating items of food that can be distributed to people living in food poverty and so that was so rewarding to see that. So how did that develop then because now a key part of your work is cookery workshops so where did the development for that come from? So I realised that if we were to really start to proactively fight food poverty as well as providing good quality nutritious items of food to food banks we'd also need to be teaching people how to cook as well. So I started to develop different ideas for cookery workshops. And what was a really nice extension of how we started was by using the buy one, give one model with our public cookery courses. We could hire a kitchen. Let's say that kitchen fit 12 people. We could sell six tickets and then provide six tickets for free um, via food banks or third sector partners. And so Yeah, it was beautiful to see how the buy one, give one model evolved from items of food to food banks to bringing people together through food in practical cookery classes. We'll hear more from Duncan next week. Brilliant. So as part of the podcast, we're going to reveal the country that you were assigned. Would you like to tell us? Yes, I was lucky enough to get Mexico. (gasps) So you get given your envelope, you read Mexico. What's your first thought? So instead of really thinking about the food... 
I was more thinking about like the country and like the vibrancy and the warmth of colour and things like that. I was pretty happy. I was pretty excited by Mexico. You mentioned that you aim for your artwork to start conversations. And I think that is absolutely the case with the piece that you've created for Bounce Back. Because my first question was, what does that mean? I want to find out more. (laughs) Yes. So when I first got given Mexico, I sort of started doing research about um, Mexicans' relationship with food and then started to look up quotes about about food and found a lot about, you know, food and family are the sort of the, the heart of the, the Mexican culture, really. And then I found a quote which I ended up using, which I thought was just perfect for uh, this project and just really mm-hmm. summed up the ethos of, like, bounce-back food. I can't pronounce it all, but it translates as all griefs are less with bread. And it's a quote which, uh, like, grandmothers would say to their grandkids if they were having a hard time, you know, eat food, you will feel better. And I think it's with food, we can bring people together, we can educate, we can make hard times a bit more comfortable. So next, I'd like to talk to you about your COVID-19 pieces. There's a couple of them up there on your website. There's this image of phones and technology. And then within that, there's the freedom of being on a swing and that childlike joy that it brings. Talk to me a bit about those pieces. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I nearly called that the COVID-19 diaries because I see them as a little bit almost like visual diary entries of like just how I was feeling at the time. They're not commissioned pieces. They're just personal work that I do to just pass the time, to be honest. But I just wanted to obviously practice my craft and just like express ideas visually and obviously with it being about the lockdown it's something that we all are experiencing and we're all in together and everyone has some connection in some way to that and it's very much dictated by your income your class your situation you live in etc and um, I'm fortunate I live on my own currently I do have a lot of space so I don't feel like I've been truly locked down my life hasn't changed that much but I know a lot of people's have so I was just trying to tap into that idea of like you may feel isolated, but at the end of the day, you're all in it together. Um, so there's no like feeling of missing out or anything because at the end of the day, everyone's in the same boat. But yeah, I mean, I suppose it's kind of a comment on my own mental health at a time. And just um, it's kind of the way that I I talk, to be honest, through <laughs> through drawing. Um, it, it always has been ever since I was a kid. So in the recipe book, our artist Alexandra's artwork is of egg apple. Could you explain to anyone who's not aware what that is? Oh, you've got to try it. Um, it's like a crunchy crepe. Uh, okay, it's like a dome shape. You have an egg in the middle and you eat it with either curries or like some kind of a chutney. And it's just crunchy and addictive and you can't stop with one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's really good. So we would, so Sri Lanka has different versions of that apple. Like you would sometimes put honey to it and you would get a honey one. Okay. And um, you would just snack on it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Oh, well, Alexandra's artwork is, it looks like a photograph and it looks delicious. So you've just made me want to eat one even more. (laughs) (laughs) Also, kiri hodi is another recipe that's in the book. Yeah, kiri hodi. So that is almost like a go-to one. It's like a coconut gravy. The thing is in Sri Lanka, like we have staples, right? Like your staples go-to in life, your comfort Sri Lankan food (laughs) is Mm. kiri hodi. And if you've heard of um, coconut sambal, like it's coconut and chili. And chicken curry. And there's another thing. There's an onion sambal. It's called uh, lunamiris. And sini sambal, which is onions with sugar. <laughs> so all these things you eat with your apple and um, the gravy. And it's just comfort food. Is it tradition to eat with your fingers in Sri Lanka? Yes. 
definitely yeah sri lankan rice and curry sri lankan finger food apa you the thing is apa you can't have with with a fork and a knife like you you legit can't you can't prick into it <laughs> so it's almost like it's designed for you to have it with your fingers anyway yeah what would you like to cook what's your favorite recipe I'm a big fan of the Sri Lankan chicken curry. Like I didn't realize it was my favorite until I came here and I I mean I love British food, right? Like I still love the sandwiches. I know like you don't have a lot of South Asians saying that, but <laughs> but then something felt missing like in my third or fourth week here. I was like everything's great but something's not on. I forgot that I never made the chicken curry, so my mom had packed in some spices and the second I made it I knew okay I am settled in the UK. <laughs> But it's definitely that one because it's spicy and it's a type of spice that you don't really get so I was glad to have my mom packing some stuff for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm intrigued to know what was in that spice packet. Um it's coriander, chili, and a couple of other things that are still a mystery to me and it's <laughs> and it's all um like fried together and you have like five or six stuff into one big spice mix <laughs> and are these recipes that have been passed down in your family yeah so i mean the curries and all are pretty general like everybody makes it kind of the same way um but what would be passed down is definitely how to make the different sweets and um also there are curries that you make in different ways like there's jackfruit curry and um Everyone has like a grandma's recipe or something that you would go to. If you come to Sri Lanka for the first time, you must try out any place that gives you kottu roti. Kottu roti is almost like a paratha, if you know what a paratha is. It's made with flour, <laughs> as of most things are, but it's almost like like a pancake, but way tougher and actually pretty different, but it looks like a pancake anyway. Um and you cut it up and you have it with cheese and chicken. <laughs> It is pretty interesting and you have all the spices coming in so that is one thing that you must try in Sri Lanka. So I'm aware that you couldn't go to a Sri Lankan household without being offered tea is that right? Oh yeah 100%. <laughs> it's like and it's almost like it's expected like hello where's my <laughs> cup, of, <laughs> cup of tea. Um it's just such a part of Sri Lankan life and it's not something that anyone sees as a burden it's a sign of hospitality. and it's a sign of saying okay we are happy to have you here and we just want you to rest you are a valued guest <laughs> um, so yeah and also just like you would first ask if you want tea before you'd want water <laughs> so <laughs> i can i think i mean this is probably very informal but if from all the sri lankans i met sri lankans drink more tea than water without a doubt here it's just like you have your tea cup you have gallons of tea and you just drink it <laughs> just endlessly <laughs> And you don't need to explain to anyone. The, the, you, if you ever have to explain your tea preferences, it would be explaining why you don't like tea. Like that would be a conversation. There's never going to be a conversation of why you like tea. It would be like, wait, you don't like tea? Like why? <laughs> yeah. So tell me a little bit more about the Turkish eating habits. You describe them as almost sacred. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, the roots of the Turkish kitchen are Islamic. Eating is enjoyable. Eating is you know a pleasure but is not the be all eating should be about sustenance you should never be looking to just fill your belly and move on you should be leaving space for air space for drinking mm. people don't eat on the go in turkey time is always made to settle to relax you know even if it's a lunchtime banks they close down at lunchtime still there's no shift work the whole 
office, the whole bank goes out together, maybe not necessarily together, but at the same time, goes to a restaurant and sits down and cares for the table or the sofa in um, Turkish. And that's a really important feature. Sharing is a really important philosophy in the Turkish kitchen. If you've got you know, enough to share with your neighbour, enough to share with people in your neighbourhood, that it should come first and then you should think about what can I enjoy for myself. Isn't that great? At Bounce Back Food, we have the buy one, give one method. And you were mentioning that that's something that's really prevalent in Turkey. Yeah, if you go through any hardship, everybody wants to share and they will be at the door. Even if they need the food themselves, they will be there to share your hardship with you, to share what they've got. Um, The whole community is kind of built on we're in this together. And if that's, you know, celebrating when we've got some, that's passed on. If it's going through, we haven't got some. People aren't ashamed of letting their friends know or letting their family know and you might have a secret donation or you might have someone who just comes to share we've also got like a societal sharing system in like bakeries there's this um, wonderful concept of on the hook Mm. and if you go to a bakery and you're fortunate enough to be able to say I want to buy two three maybe breads you take only one home and the other two are left for if someone comes in they can without any shame just say to the baker is there any bread on the hook and that baker will hand over that to bread and that person can go home, you know, and add it to their table. Yeah. That's something I really love in Turkish society and in Turkish cuisine. It, I think it died out for a while or it certainly slowed down for a bit. But with everything that people have been through recently, you know, economic hardship, especially this year, mm. it's reviving and it's been extended even to students. Students who often study in different cities from their family now have the option of going on to apps and registering that they need a little bit of help and other people maybe their parents or maybe the students themselves are in a position to share they can load it on and it anonymously shares with students and you know it's it's not just sharing the bowl at the table it's the whole societal thing and I think that's really inspiring. God, that's why I wanted to talk to you that is exactly in line with our <laughs> principles here at Bounce Back Food it really is. If you enjoyed that please do like subscribe and share. To find out more about Secret Dishes from Around the World 2 and our more recent book, Secret Dishes from Around the World 3, head to our website. You'll also find ways in which you can get involved in your local area, become a volunteer or sign up for membership. Use the promo code PODCAST10 to get yourself a discount. We look forward to hearing from you soon.